Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of the All In Football Fantasy Premier League show. I am your host, the self-proclaimed FPL guru, Alex Rex, and joining me today are, is my usual suspect of Scott Williams. Scott, how are you? Yeah, not so bad, thanks, mate. Getting there, getting there. Good, good. And a very special guest uh, is joining us today, a Mr. Jeff Belcher, who in eight seasons of playing FPL has only ever finished outside the top 100k once in that period of time. Some say he's the actual FPL guru, making his second appearance on, on the podcast. Jeff, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thanks for that lovely introduction. Good to be back. Good. Glad to have you. Thank you very much for coming on. Tom is still too busy and too important for us. So um, don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter, uh, All On Football Pod, All On Football P. And then uh, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, subscribe as well to the uh, to the podcast. Um, don't forget to, to subscribe to the channel because we have many, many views, but just not that many likes so either people don't like the podcast or they haven't subscribed to it or uh, logged in on their gmail account so um, give us some love and make sure you uh, manage to like the video um so we'll start where we normally uh, where we normally do and let's have a review of the all in football podcast mini league and at the very top we have one of our american listeners bikar michael bikar with 100 and four points this week is our manager of the week. And he managed to get 104 points with this little troll, Luca Dini, still sitting in his left-back position and getting minus one. Well, that, I think he was on for uh, five points for that guy before that point. And a fantastic team. Uh, Henderson saving a penalty and his goal having some sort of um, like miracle I don't even know what to call it. I was going to call it force a curse, field. Obviously force field around it. It was ridiculous. Cancelo, James, Dina, De Bruyne, captain. Well done on that pick. Saka, Son, Martinelli, Andres Pereira, Gabriel Jesus, and Ollie Watkins, who has gone from being a definite not an option to now being, well, still not an option, but a maybe uh, moving forward, definitely someone to uh, to uh, to take a look at. So that's our manager of the week. So uh, congratulations, 104 points um, on top uh, uh, on top of the league ahead of Nicola Tomlinson, who's one point clear. <laughs> nah, no, no, no slip of the tongue there. Um, uh, Mr. Paddy Madden in third place, and then uh, uh, Barry Stokes in fourth. Jeff, not doing too bad. Seventh place, equal with um, Mrs. Heather Howcroft. How does it feel to... How, how's your start of the season been? How have you been approaching this league season? Yeah, good solid start. I'm enjoying it and just getting a feel for it, really. Um, and yeah, just trying to be a bit more flexible in other years where sort of last year I was locked into a 3 4 3 for about 25 game weeks and there's no good strikers and I just couldn't seem to get out of it. So I'm just trying to go with the good players, whether it means I'm playing some strange formation like a 5 3 2 or a 5 2 3 or something like that. So yeah, enjoying it. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be. Quite a quite a tough season with the World Cup, and then there's like the crazy fixture congestion with the Champions League coming. Where I think after game week five, there's midweeks every single week. So just maybe need to keep an eye on maybe on a stronger bench or getting sure starters in. Just to yeah, so that's sort of the main things I'm looking at really. Uh, nice. Uh, looking at your team, uh, we were discussing before the podcast started. You've got a, a Rashford shaped problem. Yeah, uh, ignore the bench as well for now. That's to be worked on. But. <laughs> Colbat, Greenwood, that way, you know, yeah. it's, uh, um, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a talk about what we think is uh, probably best to do uh, moving forward as well. Um, uh, for, for, for everybody, that is. Looking at the team of the week for everybody, 
uh, and for the podcast, not for the podcast, for uh, for everyone itself across the across the board. Um, 143 points if you did it. Gabriel Jesus, the top performer. Jesus, Watkins, De Bruyne, as was mentioned. Um, Xhaka and Hoiberg, they always have a week, these guys. They usually score a screamer. Xhaka's wasn't a screamer so much, but well done. Jensen and me destroying Man United. Less said about that, the better. Rodrigo with uh, with two goals, stealing one off the line um, and uh, and getting another one. But he's, uh, he's the uh, FPL's top scorer total so far, Rodrigo. We'll get your opinion on Leeds in a, in, in a bit, Jeff. Veltman with eight points. Jose Sarr saving a penalty from the much-owned Mitrovic and Cancelo at the back. So, um, Gabriel Jesus with his... He got it was one of the one of the most sold players last week, and he's already one of the most bought this week, and his uh, his price has gone up. Sold by so sold by people that didn't watch the first game of the season. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent, because he looked fantastic, and they obviously don't listen to this podcast either, because he no. quite clearly said to to stick with him. So we're going to do quite a bit a similar um, way of of analysing the games and the teams as we did last week, but. Probably a little, a little, be a little bit more granular about the teams that have uh, they've got the best fixtures moving forward. So I'll put the fixture difficulty rating up on the screen for YouTube watchers. We've got Brighton who are at the top, of, and, and I've done this to game week eight, by the way, from game week three to eight, because game week eight is when the international break is. So generally speaking, it's going to be the most popular time to wildcard. So Brighton are top of the um, the FDR. Um, West Ham away is not an easy fixture next, but after that, they have Leeds at home, Fulham away, Leicester at home, who have one of the worst defences out there, Bournemouth away, and then Palace at home. So they've got some really good fixtures, um, followed by Arsenal, then Bre- uh, Arsenal second on the fixture ticker, Brentford third, and then we've got Spurs quite high up there, uh, even though they've got Man City away game week seven, Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea. So those are the ones who have got the uh, the best fixtures moving forward. Um, pretty obviously the, the top five teams in the Premier League. And then maybe a little bit more surprisingly, Brighton and Brentford, uh, the two teams that have batted Man United so far. Um, so, yeah, great start. But we're going to go through these uh, fixture by fixture. So, Scott, you were watching Villa Everton under the microscope. Yeah, I were. Talk us through it. What did you think? Yeah, well, again, game, game of two halves, really. I mean, Villa overall over the 90 minutes were the better team. Absolutely no question about that. Um, I, w- I must say I was impressed by sort of Watkins to assist there. He could have had another couple. He had a couple of chances himself that game um, where I think he did the an- analysis on match of the day. Um, a more informed, confident Ollie Watkins gets himself a couple of goals in that game as well. Um, for me, it should have been more comfortable. But last 20, it was a different Everton team. Um, Onana came on and really changed the game for Everton, I must say. Um, the new signing from whoever it was, they've signed him for a lot of money, a uh, young lad. And he, he kind of reminded me of, you know, a good Paul Pogba when he came on. I was really impressed with his strength in the middle. Don't get me wrong, he was his, he lost the ball and Villa scored um, the Buendia goal. But it was him that got the own goal um, from Digne. And overall, I, I was really impressed by how he looked. Um, Villa, again, I, I think... We all had high hopes for them at the start of the season. Um, they that was a much needed win for them. But yeah, I think the player that did impress me assist wise was Watkins. And if he can start scoring, I certainly want to keep an eye on because he did look his movement in that game, it was good. And then someone, so we do fantasy football draft, and someone I've got in that is Coutinho. Now I'm very, very tempted to take him out for Buendia. Because Buendia, my days when he came on. 
who was the best player by far on the pitch. And Coutinho did nothing, absolutely nothing all game. So I think an interesting one for any Coutinho owners that might be out there. Um, it might be sort of potentially keep an eye on that. Is he going to play next game? I think he will. But if Wendia plays like that, exciting. Very exciting. He's subbed off both times, did he, Coutinho? Uh, yeah. Like when, when things haven't been going right for... for Yellow the card in the 59th minute. Yeah, good times. <laughs> really Zero good points. for <laughs> <laughs> well, it, But he's, um, he's, he's got to be the one that's on the edge here, I think. I mean, from exactly what you've said about, about Buendia as well coming on. And and one of the one of the key questions, I've got, uh, Watkins has gone down 7.4 million now as well. I think looking at their fixtures moving forward for, for Villa, um, Palace away... Never an easy place to go to Sellers Park. And they've got West Ham, Arsenal, City and Leicester. So they're not going to be a team that anyone's going to invest in no. right now. I wouldn't have suggested. But at the same time, players to watch um, are, are important. And uh, the the question about Leon Bailey as well. Um, yeah, I think if you've got Villa players, you're looking to sell now, aren't you? Um, Bailey and Cash are probably the main two that people have got, haven't they? Um, and with those fixtures you said coming up, I'd be absolutely looking at getting Bailey out for, I don't know, a Neto maybe, uh, someone along those lines. And yeah, get Matty Cash out because those fixtures are horrendous coming up. One of the moves um, will be to probably Brighton or Brentford players, which is what we'll have a look at with because they've got good fixtures as well. Um, and it's it's difficult because Bailey's now gone down to 49 um, There's not really that many options in the midfield. Pascal Gross, obviously, for Brighton. You know, we'll, we'll touch on Brighton a little bit more in a bit, but um uh Solly March at five mil. Like everyone's just probably maybe a tiny, a tiny bit too expensive to go a direct move if you've got nothing in the bank. Um Brentford have just got the obvious player, which is Josh De Silva at 4.6 mil. Um he's the one where you can go to him, save a little bit of money. But I I, I do worry about his minutes with Damsgaard coming in. Um that's that's the only thing I, I will say because I'm uh, I'm i he's obviously been bought to play in that role. Uh so we'll We'll from, see. Yeah, from in, from what I've heard about Damsgaard is he's nowhere near match fit at the minute. Um, so I think he'll be coming off the bench a lot. But yeah, I think Josh De Silva's. I mean, so only two games in, but my days, he's he's looked good and his returns have been incredible. So yeah, there's no there's no uh, surprise that he's gone up already um, to four point six. It's a it's a pretty easy move, Jeff. What what uh, what what do you think uh, of that? What's this? What have you made of uh, Bailey Moore? Obviously, we'll touch on the silver in a bit, but all of uh, all of what we've just discussed. Yeah, I think Bailey's just too much of a risk now, isn't he? I don't think he's going to get enough game time, so I'd be looking to move him on. Um, and then the Damsgaard thing that Scott said, I think um, the quote was something like he was shocked by how hard the training was, so I don't think he's quite ready. Um, and the silvers. He, you see Thomas Frank at the end of the match sort of doing the name thing on the silver and he loves him. So he'll probably get a bit of game time. So not a bad option if you've got a 4.5 man on your bench or 4.7 now, isn't he? But, He's a 4.7. Yeah. Gone up yeah. twice now, hasn't he? Um, but yeah, I think a, a Bailey to the silver move, you get to pocket point two. Um, it's, it make, makes sense if you've got a, a transfer to use. I think some, some of us might be looking yeah. at bank, banking transfer. That's something I might be considering this week. Um, Scotty, uh, anything, anything to say on Everton? Uh, I mean, four, <laughs> four million defenders, Hartson's playing, isn't he, every single game? And I'll be honest, yeah, he's actually impressed me a little bit when I've when I've watched the, is it Nathan Patterson, isn't it? Yeah. Um, at right back. Fair play, he looks all right. And, I'm, and I must say, when they sort of tweaked formation a bit, when they put Rondon on and played 
Gordon in his preferred position, which is one of those wide sort of attacking players, he's so much better out there. He's not a number nine. He's not a you know false nine number nine. He's one of those players, and he looks so much better coming off coming off the wing. But not too much to say um, apart from how is Anthony Gordon worth like fifty million. Well, if Morgan Gibbs White's worth 44 and a half, then Gordon's yeah, worth 90, isn't he? Oh, I must be worth at least 20 quid in a pack of quavers then, surely, because some of these prices are frightening. You're worth a lot more than 20 quid, Scott. <laughs> um, Jeff, you were paying really close attention to Arsenal-Leicester. Talk us through it. What a game. Yeah, Arsenal look brilliant, don't they? They started pre-season well, and they've just started the season really well. Sort of two games that could be banana skins, but they've uh, yeah, done, beat a good Crystal Palace side, and then yeah, I think 4-2 flat as Leicester, really. They hammered them. Um, Jesus tormented them all afternoon. It was a strong Leicester team as well. They went 5-3, 1-1, and it was yeah, really good players on the pitch, but Arsenal just created so much against them. Um, yeah, It's like a left, left lopsided attack where I think the right side's sitting in. So Xhaka's getting forward, Zinchenko's getting forward, Martinelli, that's where Martinelli's doing miles better than Saka. He looks more further up the pitch, where Saka's sort of tucking in a bit. And then Jesus is just in there, loves being the main man and yeah, did, did really well. I think sort of start he had got um, more more expected goals than 17 of like full Premier League teams just on his own in that game. So he just yeah, was involved so much in the attacks. And the keepers, the keepers didn't look great to me in that game. Um Ward looks really shaky. Looks yeah, he doesn't look anything like Schmeichel yet. And yeah, the way he flapped at the cross and Ramsdale as well. I thought Arsenal did really well, but he was sort of he could have given away a penalty. And then the goal, Madison scored, he let that through his legs as well. So a little bit shaky there, but I think yeah, they look really good, Arsenal. And they've got the two promoted teams coming up, Bournemouth and Fulham. And you think that's another two wins, they'll be on twelve from twelve. And yeah, they could be really good point scores for FPL as well. I want to know the last point where we were sat here with a legitimate, legitimate saying that an Arsenal player is going to be a captain next week. I think it's a long time ago. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Jesus is absolutely an option. Um, yeah. It, it really is moving for, 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 for this week. And looking at the statistics, you, you, you couldn't be more right, Jeff. They are a very lopsided attack. So even when I was looking at the heat maps, um, Saka's doing a lot more defensive work than, yeah, yeah. than um, Martelli is in terms of where they're playing in touch maps. Um, and then when we're looking at the expected points and the XGIs and um, ex- expected assist, assists, etc., top expected points for for Arsenal, Jesus, Martinelli and Zinchenko. So pretty pretty obviously these guys are the ones that it's all really working working for toward working for, um, and we should be working towards bringing into our uh, into our fantasy teams. I um, got one question: Was Jesus now a, a must have? Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. There was one that was one was throw throw thrown at me. Uh definitely time to double up on Arsenal attack if you if you can possibly do it. You know, their pictures yeah. are brilliant. They've got some they've got the the best players. Um you still can't fully trust the defense. I couldn't agree more with you, Jeff. Like I mean, I've you get a bit outspoken about Ramsdale at times, but he's I still think he's just like Pickford's slightly younger brother sometimes like he can be unbelievable like it would be unbelievable but then he has he just has he has it in him to just give away a penalty which he didn't to be fair but then have one go through his legs and just do look a bit shaky it's like we said in game week one though I said I don't I, I still don't know how Arsenal kept a clean sheet that game week 
Um, they've absolutely got a couple. Of, it's, they're going to score more than they concede in games, and that's how they're going to win games. I know that sounds like a Michael Owen statement, but I can't see him at the minute keeping too many clean sheets. Might change with Tommy Asu maybe coming back into the fold. Um, I don't know who that's going to push out. I don't know if Ben White's then going to knock someone out, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're looking too solid at all at the back, but they're looking as good as anyone going forward. I guess Bournemouth um, next is the one thing that they could, yeah, they haven't got that much going forward, hopefully. I, I thought it was one thing that shocked me was I was looking at expected goals conceded and they were level with Spurs. So like they were still second, equal second for the the, the best like d- defence in terms of expected goals conceded and obviously doing well in clean shit. So they, they, the quality of chances they're giving up, according to the statistics, doesn't look that great but actually when we look at the eye test which is why it's so important i listened to a podcast recently where a guy was banging on about like what is the eye test anyway it's blah isn't it just a culmination of all the stats that you end up getting at the end and i just think i couldn't think of anything more nonsensical like you you have you have to watch the game to interpret your way to play a failure way and uh yeah the x x expected goals conceded stat surprised me i still won a game though so yeah, surprised to, uh, to to keep a clean sheet there. Uh, and yeah, James James Madison, if he doesn't get a move now, he'll probably get a move in uh, in January. But he's definitely trying to fight for his um, for his World Cup spot. That's a that's a club. That if I'm a Leicester fan, I am really worried by what's yeah. going on with that club. They're not signing anyone. What is going on? They've if they sell Schmeichel, Fafana, and Madison, and then don't replace any of them. That's essentially the spine of the team, isn't it? So it's, oh, yeah. I think I, I, and it's not like they've got a poor chairman. Bloody hell, they're a rich club. They're in Europe. Are they in Europe? They're not in Europe this season, are they? Ignore not, that. Not this, not this year. They were last but, year, but they're not. But you'd year. be thinking, you know, it's, it's a good chance to push on and get back in Europe. Now we've only got league games to, to worry about in the cups. But no, that's the. Uh, go on, sorry, Jeff. Some rumours about Tielemans, wasn't there as well, and the midfield going, which that would of absolutely course, kill Tielemans them. to yeah. Arsenal's been banging on about it for ages, haven't they? Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd be worried if I was a Leicester fan, if I'm honest as well. I completely agree with that. Uh, but Arsenal jump on them, get all over them. Um, to next game was Brighton Newcastle, and um, very same old, same old Brighton for me. Like you know, fantastic, basically dominated the game, uh, brilliant in terms of their as a team. I was, uh, let me just get that up as well, in terms of expect, uh, expected goals. Um, they were right up there, only breaking up, yeah, fifth in terms of expected goals at 3.64. Better better than Chelsea. The only team's better than them are Spurs, City, Arsenal and Liverpool. Like they, they create chances, but they just don't always put them away. They're, uh, hey. Sorry, Jeff, I thought you were going to chip in then, sorry. No, no. <laughs> sorry, Scotty, go on. I was going to say, they did come up against an inspired Nick Pope this week. It must be said, they can't play Manu every week is probably what they're disappointed about. Um, and yeah, Sir Nick Pope, wasn't it? He's yeah. a, just an absolutely classic um, classic FPL option. Looking at Brighton, because they're a team to potentially invest in moving forward, um, uh, briefly on them when we're looking at uh, the players that have scored the most points, um, gross uh, top of that list. And you've got Sanchez, the goalkeeper. If you're looking at wildcarding right now between Raya and Sanchez as your uh, 4.5 million goalkeeper, I'd have thought, um, looking at the fixtures coming up as well, 
but the other defender as an option is, is Veltman. Um, he has got 10 points so far. He's 4.5 million. Uh, Duncan Webster as well, both at 4.5. When you're looking at expected goal involvements, um, Veltman is the one who was playing further up the pitch. Um, I know he's quite far down here, but he's the one who was playing further up the pitch than, than Webster and Duncan at centre half. Um, but of course, they're threats from corners as well. But he, and any of them are, are good options. Pascal Gross, 5.6 million. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. He's um, he, he just likes scoring against United. Um, he takes some set pieces, so I wouldn't be investing too much too much time and effort into that. But still, you know, good player, good pick if you want to put him in. Could deliver. Solly March is actually the one who's going under the under the radar a little bit. Um, playing at right wing back and his expected points were 10.5 um, and his XGI has been 1.4 so he should have had some returns by now he's created one big chance as well um, so if you wanted to get a 5 million midfielder in who nobody else is going to have on a weird gamble why not Why not Solly March for an example but uh, yeah I, I, Danny Welbeck hit all of his um, potential points have come from expected assists he's been the the person who's been most expected to uh, deliver an assist uh, and create a chance rather than actually put one away. His XG is 0.16, um, which is worse than, you know, Trossard. It's the same as Veltman and Webster. Um, it's, yeah. So they're, they're a team, if you wanted to downgrade somebody, for example, Trippier looking at Newcastle's fixtures moving forward, if you wanted to downgrade him, 5 million to a 4.5 to 0.5 somewhere else, don't look away from Brighton defenders. Um, and if you wanted to get a, a cheaper midfielder in, there are good there are good options that are slightly more expensive, but yeah. Why not? Solly March, there's my, there's my hot take, there's my tip. Uh, and Newcastle, um, looking at the fixture difficulty rating, they've got City, at home, Wolves away, Liverpool away, next three. Before they've got Palace at home, West Ham away and Bournemouth. So they're a hard avoid for the next three. Um, but then uh, you never know. Get to get back on get back on those guys. Uh City City Bournemouth. Um no surprises. I think Harland only had eight touches in that game was a set on match of the day. Yeah. He should have had nine if Foden had squared the bloody ball. Like that would have been that's such a it, Guardiola was fuming about that one at the end, but um, he proved that he could do really well holding up the ball. He created uh, obviously the goal for uh, for, for Gundogan. Um, KDB, of course, the key man when these teams do these low blocks. Um, he he always is. I was I was really impressed by City actually, because normally I just find them really boring. But I think they just kind of threw the kitchen sink at Bournemouth and um, and and got it done. Um, but boys, what did you think about City? Anything? Any any takeaway about about the uh, watching that match back on, on match of the day? I know there was um, only eight touches for Harlan, but there was a couple where he was sliding in from like the crosses and the cutbacks as well, where he nearly got it. And that was the same the week before as well. So I think one time he's going to get on the end of a few of them in a game. It might be a hat trick or four goals if he's just stood there in the middle tapping them in because um, they just yeah they look really good didn't they in those areas? Yes, yeah, uh, I I agree with that, Jeff, and like. He, he had two passes and one of them was kickoff. So non-passes that weren't kickoff was one. And how many assists did he get? There we go. Perfect. That is returns, isn't it? That's efficiency. 
like I've heard a lot of people saying about Haaland and getting concerned about these eight touches. But for me, it's like he's never going to be that person that gets in the ball like Kevin De Bruyne and have all these little touches like Foden. He is there for one reason and one reason only, is to put the ball in the back of the net. And like Jeff said, he's an inch away from sort of getting on the end of some there. So it wouldn't worry me at all that he's had eight touches. He's absolutely staying in my team. Um, and yeah, I thought City looked like amazing City. I think... Four or five nil that game was always going to be, wasn't it? Um, apart from not squaring it, I must say, Mr. Philip Foden, I found was quite impressive that game as well. The the statistics, I won't go into it too, we'll be here all day, but his statistics as well back though, he's he's definitely the most uh creative midfielder behind De Bruyne. The other man just to point out, just to just to bear in mind, I know you can spend a little bit more money on Foden and whatever else, but if you really are short and you want to go for a differential. Gundogan has got good statistics. He has scored. He is wearing the armband, Mm. um, which means a lot, I think, really. Bernardo Silva's been linked with all sorts of moves away. It feels like that midfield is relatively set for the next couple of weeks. Obviously, there'll be rotation. There always is in City. But um, if you are wanting to go for someone a little bit different, again, uh, Gundogan's a, a, a a good pick. But City options... Your usual has to be Cancelo. I think Walker offers great value um, at, at 5.1. And then you've got, if you can afford De Bruyne and Haaland, then, then happy days. But if not, then then make sure you've got one of them. That's what I would say anyway uh, in, from Man City. And we're, we're not going to even bother touching on Bournemouth because you know they're not, they're not going to be defined by that game, are they? City expected goals conceded 0.5 in two games. Basically, going to concede one goal every four games. I'm very happy with Edison being my keeper at the minute. Very. I, I would. Yeah. I would. Be, would be as well. Yeah. You've got. Like I would say he's not. He's not going to particularly get bonus points. We said that last season because he don't have enough shots. But you know, you pretty much. You know, you're almost guaranteed, especially when you play anyone but top four or five, six teams. You're guaranteed six points. Fix your congestion as well. He'll play every game, won't he? So it's yeah, perfect for that. I think he's a, a, a really strong option. Um, but yeah, I, again, with City, how one of their defenders, whether it be a keeper or whether it be a defender, if you can afford Cancelo, great. But if not, then you've got great access to the defence there with with Walker and with, with Edison um, at cheaper prices. Aki's not going to keep his position forever, but see, Diaz has had his minutes managed actually at the beginning of the season, come off a couple of times. Um, Jeff, dare I ask you about... Um, Leeds playing Southampton. What's your uh, what was your take on on uh, on this game? Straight in one for Leeds, I think. Uh, I think yeah, dominated the game and then went went two 0 up and then just got that frail side where just let Southampton back into it with a few sort of flair players that came on and just a bit of poor defending and goalkeeping. I'd say. Um, but yeah, Rodrigo's been in the right place at the right time, as you mentioned earlier. He's um, yeah, he's there to tap it in and score. Um, but yeah, just just a frustrating one, I think. Um, but yeah, wouldn't go anywhere near either defence. Both look really weak, and um, but leads the attack, getting some goals and assists from people regularly. Um, Bamford's injury apparently isn't too bad, which is good. He went off after half an hour, um, so couldn't come back. And then there's Sinister coming back as well. So I don't know what that impact that'll have on minutes, but yeah, it's looking all right the attack, and just a bit frustrating that one, I think. That's done suggesting it that one. Yeah, I think he left. He didn't. Make changes quick enough, I think, and then it's a hot day, wasn't it? And the energy was going, and yeah, just needed to change it around a bit. What do you make of Rodrigo? He's the second most transferred in player this week so far, top scoring FPL player after the first two game weeks. 
Um, I know they've got Chelsea next, but uh, what what what's uh, what has a Leeds fans take on Rodrigo? What do you think? I, I, he's not going to keep that up. There's no no way he'll keep that. He look, you know, he often looks a bit clumsy, and I watched the last preseason game, and even though he's got a hat trick, he didn't look great in that. And then I think Chelsea and Brighton, that's yeah, that'll be a test. If he if he comes out of those, well, then fair enough, I'll stand corrected. But I think yeah, returns will dry up. I don't think he's is, going to keep this form going. I mean, the thing is, he said it. He got a scruffy hat trick, and then he has got three goals to start the season. So he's he is in the he's, crap. He's, put he's in the right place. There. He's in the right place at the minute, and he's got that. Knack, You've got so. to look at the goals, though. Like the first goal and the opening day against Wolves, keeper should have saved it. One of them is absolutely robbed from someone, uh, Lorente yeah. or someone. Um, strike, what a strike! strike. The There's so a header you, from half a yard, isn't there, this week as well? It's, yeah. So yeah. don't get me wrong, you do need to be at the right place at the right time, but okay, you do need to look at how goals are scored. Um, yeah. And like I agree with Jeff, he ain't gonna keep that up. Um, no, I I I would absolutely not be rushing back. And like Jeff said, he's only brought Bamford off because out of precaution that first half, isn't it? So yeah, he's absolutely fine to play. So, he's been so seen cleaning cars and Geldart's car, I think, and so he's obviously not that bad if he's doing that. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, captain himself this week, Bamford as well. Bless him. Um, uh, Southampton, interesting. Just with Arebo, like he was been. I can't believe he came to the game as a midfielder because I'm pretty sure he was playing up top for the Rangers and uh, quite a lot. And then he's coming as a midfielder at five point five. Um, and he just. I, I mean, I'm not going to say he's somebody that we should be jumping on, but just just keep an eye on him because he's he's not a bad player. And then uh, I was really impressed by Mara. Like actually, he looked really good. But again, let's just keep an eye on these people. Um, and uh, we'll see see how they go. Meslier, I think, would be really disappointed with Walker Peters' finish. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe a touch harsh on Meslier. Oh, and, and whoever the, Jack Harrison, disgraceful. What is he doing for that finish? He, he kind of he, he he kind of doesn't commit to do a slide and doesn't commit to just keep running. So he just does neither, and then just leaves them with an easy one well, an, an easy shot on target. Um, horrendous from Jack Harrison. Uh, Wolves, Fulham, uh, Wolves, and Brighton basically brothers uh, aren't they because they just do exactly the same thing they can't they create chances create chances and can't score like as a netto owner I feel like a Dharma from last season it's just like you surely surely we should the the one where if he'd have just shot first time but the ball kind of bounced that tiny bit differently and then he had to take a touch that he got tackled it was one of the most frustrating things to watch they kept creating kept creating um so, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to rush to sell Neto, but they've got Spurs this week. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like getting really, really um, attached to them. You know, sell them if they're going to help improve your team. If you can afford to get Martinelli or whatever, like just get rid of him. But at the same time, like don't be like breaking your team to get rid of him. Uh, Fulham, for all those people that wildcarded in game week one and brought in Mitrovic, that must have been painful. And he, how he's not got sent off. At the end, uh, it's one of the it's one of the most poor refereeing decisions I've ever seen in my life. Apparently, you can hack someone down and head put them and only get a yellow card. Like it's just it's the the refereeing quality. Honestly, I feel like I'm Nigel Pearson. Has been absolutely dire. Um, and VAR, honestly, Mike, no wonder Mike Dean's been given the weekend off. He's been awful. Just the um, yellow for me. <laughs> sure, really? Yeah. I think I think the tackle itself could be a red. It's a dangerous tackle. He's lunged in a bit. For me, when people square up to each other, come on, it's football. M- move on. 
Yeah, but it's, not, it's not absolutely nutted him, has he? Like proper you like, say that. Darwin style. But the problem is that you say that, but the rules are the rules. Like I, I, I completely agree with you. I don't mind a little bit of that, but we, I, I just, but the rules are rules. You can't go head to head with someone. Head to head with someone's a yellow card. That's it. He's raging after the penalty misses, isn't he? And he's yeah, he's just missed it. And he's just charged in and lost his head. But we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll agree to disagree on that one, Scott. But I, I'm, I, but this that's football, isn't it? Everyone has their own opinion, and I uh, I, uh, I I like it. Um, but yes, Fulham hard avoid uh, still. Really, I think in general, um, yeah, Mitrovic. I wouldn't be rushing to bring him in. Don't go through it front with him and break your team. Uh, he, he'll he'll get goals, but again, that's his consistency. And uh, Pereira's got a knock, but n- nothing to be too worried about. No, I've, from from other sources I've heard, it was cramp, so he'll be absolutely fine. Oh, been for a run. Give, that's, from, a that's from my uh, Fulham sources. <laughs> we're getting, we're definitely whipping out these sources. Um, Scott, do you want to uh, have a go at my team? Terrible, mate. I mean, there's not not too much can be said that hasn't been said by many many pundits across the week. Absolutely toothless. Trying to play a brand of football that the, the players aren't good enough to play. David De Gea cannot play a ball out the back to save his life. It's putting putting people under pressure. And anyone that watched Monday Night Football with Gary Neville, well, it was actually Carragher's um, um, analysis. It was really eye opening. Um, they're just not. There's no confidence whatsoever in them teams. Like he's playing it to Ericsson in an horrendous position. Um, it doesn't matter if Brentford played well, but they could have played any any football team in the top five divisions, and anyone that pressed would have had the same chances. Uh, it wasn't like Brentford were playing this amazing football. Don't get me wrong, the goal from the corner was an unbelievable goal, and I, Man United's not done too wrong in that. I mean, Maguire was sort of in a weird position, but um, unbelievable ball from Tony and a great finish from Umbuemo. Um, but... Man United just bringing it all on themselves. Uh, if you've got Man United defenders, sell, take minus hits to sell your Man United defenders, right? They're going to get absolutely spanked by Liverpool at the weekend. Um, I never thought it'd be so easy to captain a player against Man United ever, growing up as them being a dominant force in football. But for me, it's such an easy captaincy. And yeah, absolutely shocking, mate. I think you're in a relegation battle at the minute. It feels that way. We've got just no confidence whatsoever in the team. I did get asked because I skipped over them last week so much just to like what I actually thought of United. And we're just, it, they're shot from top to bottom, whether it be from, I mean, Ten Hag got his tactics so wrong in that game. It was, I mean, that that defeat is, is players and manager just really, but it's, there's such a culmination of everything from, the ownership down to the the CEO from the last however many years Woodward was in charge from all the recruitment he's done from the scouts to everything from that's why I've had different people say to me, oh it's the um it's the players, the players that are disgraced, is that oh it's the ownership, the ownership. It's just all of it. It's everything in it. Everything. Yeah, it's like you know, and I've one of the lads when who's been involved in football for a long time said it doesn't it doesn't matter like about then the, the players never meet the owners they said to me like and I just saw red a little bit and I'm like but when the owners are not investing any money if you if you went to work every day and the place you were working was falling down and the bogs didn't work you'd you'd you wouldn't feel great about yourself would you like it, it it's that it is the players but it is that I mean I know that they're football players and they paid loads of money blah 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 but that's not our reality that's their reality so they go if they can yeah 
they'd, if, they, if they're not enjoying going into work and the culture's terrible, the environment's rubbish, it doesn't matter how much you paid. When you're at the elite level of sport, you're at the top, top, top level. You look at Formula One drivers and it's 0.1 of a second is the difference between being a, well, I think Bottas was like 0.4 of a second a lap slower than Hamilton on average, but that's the difference between seven world championships and none. Like it's the, the elite level. You've got to have everything right, and yeah. Well, it's just just everything in the club. You need to get rid everything. of Ronaldo. You need to get rid of Ronaldo. He's an absolute. He's so toxic at that football club now. He needs no, to go. He, he's going to tell us in two weeks, Scott. No, but that, that's him. Just oh. been bigger than the club. Do you, do you know what? If Alex Ferguson was Very at that fun. club, not one player was ever bigger than the club. He, he sold sold Beckham. Didn't need to remove his He sold all these big players. Man United is at a point now where Ronaldo is bigger than the club because he can say what he wants, he can do what he wants, he can throw his arms up in the air. Like I think I know Darren Nunes will probably touch on it. You know, you know, he was an idiot, but my God, sometimes you kind of, I bet you'd love to see one of your Man United players just like show that kind of passion and that kind of you know willing where to just throw their arms up in the air. Like you know me, I, I back you up as a as a as a scum for, as a non Leeds fan living in Leeds. I back you up with Man United because you get a lot of crap from our friends. But it is it is a joke, mate, now. They're, they're horrendous. Like I say, it's top to bottom. It's everything. Yeah. It's everything about from, from the club. Anybody that says it's just one thing, you're wrong. I like Personally, what Rio Ferdinand said. Play the kids. You're going to get beat by Liverpool, don't matter who you play. Play the kids. I liked it. Who was that? Was that that guy who came on and started fouling everyone against Liverpool last time? Hannibal. Yeah, play him. <laughs> <laughs> just... Uh, but yeah, you've got you've got to have people that that play with passion and and um, want to wear the badge, and you've also got to have a manager that's doesn't play Fred and Ericsson in a two, oh, just awful from Ten Hag. But second man, second game, just got got to learn. Um, anyway, yeah, top to bottom, rotten throughout. Let's let's move on. Um, sorry, we spent too long talking about Man United. Boris. I would say, I would, I would just say quickly on Brentford. Just to, oh. well, I don't know what their fixtures are like. They've got quite good fixtures, haven't they? I've just I've, amazing you know for a while. Yeah. I've completely lost my head there because I've talked yeah. about United. Thank you, Scott. Um, no, I was just going to say, like, I think they've got a, a few assets that I quite like. Ivan Tony being one of them, and Buemo being another, De Silva yeah. being another, like Enrico Henry as well. If you're getting someone at the back mm. in terms of his statistics, and they, they they are looking good. If you want to put a cheaper defender in. Um, Fixtures moving forward, Fulham away, Everton at home, Palace away, Leeds at home, Southampton away, and then Arsenal at home. So they've got really good fixtures, uh, three to seven, and then obviously Arsenal's a tough one. So, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I'd be looking at uh, players from Brentford at really good value to, to to get them in to help make my team work. So Probably the four of the five worst defences in the whole league there in the next, four, in the next five. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, well, and they've just played the worst. So, um, yeah. yeah it's How much is Tony? Seven. 7.1 or 7.2? Is he 7.2? 7.1. Seven 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 yeah. It, 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 I'm sure he'll go up to 7.2 tonight or tomorrow, probably. Like, but he, um, yeah, 7.1. It's a tricky one, that, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it, I always said at 6.5 at the beginning of the season, it'd have been great value. And now, actually, it's 7.1. He's not looking too bad. Um, Yes, but uh, yeah, thank you for bringing me back down to earth there, Scott. And we can um, move to, to mention Brentford because I'm too irate about the fact that I just people didn't even bother running around in that game, it was just infuriating. Boris, well, so just say last thing really quickly fair play to him <laughs> to get him in the next day. Fair enough, hmm? he got what him did? in the next day, didn't he? Running, 
<laughs> well, I, I heard that on the match of the day too. And they were like, oh, well, that, that would make me feel good. And Jermaine Genius was like, I want to see my own running stats. And and I'll well, then you're arrogant, Jermaine Genius, and you wouldn't yeah. fit in there either, would you? Complete idiot. Genius um, by name, genius by nature. Wow. Do you know what he knew? If he knew how to manage a club, he wouldn't be sat a match of the day too. Um, so what did you make of the Forest West Ham game anyway, Scott? Uh, <laughs> wow. What a game of football. I mean, West Ham could still be playing now. And I couldn't, they wouldn't score. Because it was just one of those games. It was, I think I put it in one of our group chats, like, I always fancied. Forest were all, for me, Forest are always winning that game. First game back in the Premier League, a really good historic football ground, the city grounds to go back to. Not been in the Premier League for 20-odd years. Always winning it. It was just amazing how they went about winning it. The goal itself was <laughs> a, miss, 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 a really weak mishit from Jesse Lengard that just hits... Or on Wani, I can't say his name. Um, Owenie, and goes Owenie, in, yeah. and then Dean Henderson just to rub salt into your Man United fans' wounds a little bit more. Has an unbelievable game, saves the penalty, which we called uh, Declan Rice. I don't know why Declan Rice is on pens. Um, he's missed two from three now, is it in the Premier League? Um, Never again. But yeah, Forest looked good. Don't get me wrong, West Ham looks pretty good attacking wise. Um, just. Just couldn't score, could they? Ben Rama looked pretty good, I must say, for West Ham. He impressed me quite a bit that game. He did, and uh, they're um, yeah, they're, they're holds West Ham players. Don't worry about them. They're too much. That's just that's such a free game, and and yeah, Williams a gift at four definitely. Um, getting forward, he had the most yeah. touches out of everyone else, and I think they even have the most shots or something out of all the West Ham of the um, Forest players. Free uh, kicks, corners. He was taking them as well. He's on got a bonus, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's annoyed at that seven points sitting on the bench. <laughs> yeah. But everyone's got it. It's fine. <laughs> everyone's, we're all in this together. Some people have Dean you're on uh, starting. The guy got 104 points. I bet even I bet even Bicar is annoyed at getting 104 points, yeah. but he played Dean you're over Williams. <laughs> but anyway, could have been 112, mate. Could have been 112. Um, Seven seven thousandth in the world that game week. I wonder what it would have been at hundred and twelve points. I wonder what was what it was for the Americans. Must have been up there for them. True. Should have, should have looked. Spurs against well Chelsea against Spurs. Now, again, I wish I'd have seen this sort of passion from United uh, instead of Ten Hag sitting there at the water break, just basically forgetting there was one. Like Thomas Frank's out with his tactics board, being like, right, how can we get more than two goals in this game? And ten anyway. Please talk about Chelsea Spurs, Scott. Chelsea Spurs, yeah. Well, what a game of football. A bit of a throwback, wasn't it? They always say, they were saying it in the commentary, like Spurs-Arsenal is one that, you know, Spurs fans and Arsenal fans want to win. But this one's always, you know, a bit feisty, isn't it? Um, yeah, let's be honest. You can look at those and say 2-2. Two, two. Oh, yeah, probably a pretty even game. No, Chelsea absolutely deserve to win. Two cows, um come out on top there. Um, it's just, yeah, couldn't. Couldn't get the added goals when they were on top in the game. Um, and, yeah, never say die attitude from Spurs. I thought the, ta- ta- the tactical changes that Conte did were really good second half. I thought Perisic made a difference when he come on. It'd be very, very interesting. I'm going to hold Perisic. I think he's starting next game now. Um, I thought he made a big difference when he came on, shored things up, and his delivery was pretty spot on. Obviously, got got the assist for Kane's goal at the end. Um but Chelsea were impressive. Um, again, I thought Reese James looked really good. Sort of rewarded those Reese James own, uh, owners there with some good points. Um, Kula Bally with an unbelievable finish. <laughs> Don't know how he spent that one in. Um, but yeah, 
interesting game. I think Chelsea would be, you know, much happier performance-wise, obviously results-wise, and how the game ended. Spurs will be sort of carrying that momentum through. Who, um, Jeff and Scott, like from from your perspective, who would you be investing in? Right, if Chelsea have got a decent run of fixtures. If you were looking at Chelsea, and, I'm, and I'm, let's like, you know, I think Reese James and Kukurea, um, judging by the comments in the week uh, from Tuchel about Chilwell, saying that he's not not up to speed at the moment and Kukurea is basically going to play. Uh, outside of James and Kukurea, who would you be looking at from more of a midfield and forward option from Chelsea? It's a bit tough, isn't it? But I thought Mason Mount played well in that game, but just didn't, yeah. wasn't, not FPL-wise, but I think he was asked to do a job and he did a really good job. And then... When you look at his stats from last season, he was a real flat track bully and Leeds, he always scores against Leeds, that's next. Um and he yeah, he's I think the next few opponents he scored against the last couple of seasons. So he's always and he's the cheaper option. Then Havertz as well had a lot of chances in that game. Um it just didn't it, I, I wouldn't go there. Uh you know, I've been there before and I don't didn't like it. Um, <laughs> but he's <laughs> he's yeah he, he had the, he had the chances that one where it was like a cross from East James and it was a really good chance he should have buried that and then Sterling's just a bit too much to get in for me but I don't know he's yeah he could be a good option but not not so sure yet 10 million's worth it yeah going on going on the eye test is going to be totally against what I've just read on the stats there but I thought Ruben Loftus cheeks looked really really good on the eye he got himself yeah. getting into some dangerous pockets I actually thought he was pushed further forward than Mason Mount like Jeff said um, I just said it in commentary. You can tell why he plays for England. He just does a job for any manager, what he has to. But yeah, they were playing. I, I quite enjoyed doing listening to the tactics. So, so when they had the ball, uh, sorry, when they didn't have the ball, Ruben Loftus Sheet was sort of dropping into like a back five, like that kind of. And then when he had it, it was that kind of attack, right handed, sided attacking player. So I thought he's really impressive, actually. I thought he's got a career with Devin, dead and buried like a season or so ago, but. Good player. He's, he's showed good potential, hasn't he, for a number of years. And I know he went out alone. Was it Fulham a few years ago or something like that? Um, and looked look really good. And I, again, I wouldn't be jumping on him, but in that sitting in that five million bracket there, when we talk about five million pound midfielders, it's one just to keep an eye on, especially if he plays week in, week out. He's had 115 minutes already, so he's featured in both games. I think this is one of the things I'm trying to I was trying to get at with the question, really is that the affordable Chelsea midfielder, which is Mason Mount, his statistics haven't been great in terms of from an FPL perspective. He's been fantastic for Chelsea. Um, you're never going to bring in Havertz over Haaland, Jesus, um, I was going to say Darwin then, but never mind. Uh, but you, even Ivan Tony, like you're not going to bring him in over those guys. So Sterling's really expensive. You've kind of got to rip up your team unless you want to sell someone like Salah or, or De Bruyne or, or Son or whatever. Then you can't really get Sterling in. So... It's kind of the James Kukurea, and then maybe if you wanted to again go for someone a little bit out there, if you want to stick him in your midfield with Solly March, go for Ruben Loftus Cheek. You know, there's, there's somebody there that who could potentially offer great value at five million, but you know, at the same time, his expected goal involvement's not point two out of the first two games. Um, he's going to score one in every ten games. I, you know. What whatever, uh, it's it, but yeah, I completely agree with you, Scott. I thought it was just an interesting take on it. And um, when you talk about Spurs and Perisic starting again, sessignon has been one of the top performing players in terms of the statistics. But I completely agree when you look at the game again, Perisic made such a massive impact. Um, his experience helped a lot in that match. So yeah, I think Perisic will 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 get his run 
in the team. We've got him in the pod team. I think we hold him as well, personally. Yeah. Um, the pod team's on its way back. We've got a green arrow this week, so everyone's surprised. And uh, we're uh, going to get another one this week. I have a good feeling about it. Um, we're going to round off our review. Um, I had a couple of questions about Liverpool as well, um, so I'll throw these in after if you don't cover them, Jeff, already. But Liverpool, with only two points more than Man United this season, um, with a 1-1 draw at Palace. What do you make of the Monday Night Football, Jeffers? I thought Liverpool started really well. They were, started really positively, were battering Palace. Obviously, I was sat there, I had Trent and Robbo in my team, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, come on, you know, rub my hands together, clean sheets come in. They hadn't laid a glove on them. And Darwin had missed a couple of really good chances. He'd fallen over on a one-on-one and at the back post guided it. And then, yeah, it was just a brilliant counter by Palace. I think it might have been the first shot. Keeper went to Eze. Eze does a bit of skill. Great through ball to Zaha. They tried to do the offside trap and yeah, they were just, Zaha was through and it's just one of those. Um, then Anderson's pestering uh, Darwin all game and then he, he loses his head and sees red and gets gets the red card. Um, and then, yeah, it was it was from there, it was really hard for Liverpool. I thought they were forcing it a bit. Um, but Diaz then came, I thought Diaz was poor initially, but then he got really good when they went down to 10 men. Um, the goal was amazing. Just, yeah, where did that come from? Just took on a load of men. And then he was doing something similar a few minutes later. He was just doing some turns on the edge of the box. And I was like, bloody hell, he's fighting for it here. Um, but they just, just couldn't quite go over. Trent as well, I thought it was really good in that first half. The balls that he was playing, the through balls, the crosses, he was doing really good stuff. So I thought they were unlucky. I thought they played really well. I'm not too worried. Missing a bit in the defence with Nat Phillips. But then, yeah, apart from that, I thought they played really well. Um, how do they how, how how do they how do Liverpool set up then? Like because Firmino's is he's he's injured and so is Jota. I think he's then, back. Is it, Firmino. Oh, Firmino back. I think he's coming back, yeah. Yeah, I think I was it's gonna say because Cavalio potentially is an was somebody who might end up playing, but um if yeah. he if he's gonna be back, then that's fine. I, I completely agree with you about Diaz. I thought I was actually like, oh well, for the potty, we're probably gonna sell him because he's just not working well, this, that, and the other. Yeah, went down to 10 men and it was sort of like someone stuck a rocket up him and he was just like, Oh, do you know what? Yeah. I can I've got freedom now, I can run everywhere and scored a worldie. It's unbelievable. Um, he was kicking balls out of play before that. Man. Weird. <laughs> it was. It was a. It was an odd one, but um, it kind of cemented him as a better option than Robbo. Which you know, if you'd have asked me after fifty minutes, I'd have said something different. I think. Yeah. Um. From yeah, the man who had the game on in the background with some scream in his face, but that's the. You know, that was what. Uh, that's why I could. That's why I could make of the game anyway. Um. Palace. Any. Any. Any other takeaways about them? Eze, Zaha. You know. Um, obviously, Anderson. These guys seem half decent value. Just the fixtures, but Zaha can, can score against anyone. But if I was going Zaha, I'd probably just pay slightly more and get someone like Diaz or Kulisevsky or someone like that, just because I don't know who they've got, but I think it's Villa and they've got Man City. Um, Villa, Man City, Brentford. They're not Newcastle, too bad after that, but yeah. But yeah, just, I think I'd probably pay a little bit more for someone else, but I, I do, I like him as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think. F- because you know, you know, Palace have been on TV both fixtures, so I'm on a, you know, seen Zaha play two full games of football, which really impressed me. Um, as they should have tucked one of his assists away in the first game of the season, he had about four shots on target uh, against Liverpool. Um, a heavy touch would have been, you know, one on one and an easy chance with uh, Allison. He could have easily had a couple of goals against Liverpool quite easily. Um, I think he, um, did he play one in his, he missed one right. 
an open goal essentially, didn't he? Was that him or was that Aze? Anyway, I, I've actually been really impressed by Saha. I thought I think he started the season really well. I think he plays. I think he plays with this confidence. Well, no, he doesn't need much more confidence. But under Vieira, Vieira loves him, and that's that showed. Like I think he said, he's going to be in the. Premier League Hall of Fame, which I think is a bit outrageous, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit outrageous. But I, I think know, he's played really well. And if Eze could finish his dinner, he'd certainly have probably a couple of assists. I think he's like Jeff said, it's tough fixtures, but potentially one to keep an eye on, um, as, as he always is. He's impressed me. There are fixtures. I think it was it game week eight that changed. Yeah, like game week eight. He's the sort of player you'd be interested in looking at for you know bright and difficult game, obviously than Chelsea, you know. But whatever, if you want to look at the wild card time, you know Chelsea game week nine is tough. But then they have got Leeds, um, they've got Leeds, Leicester, Wolves, Everton, Southampton, West Ham, Nottingham Forest up to the World and Cup. I think I think that red's a bit misleading for Leicester as well, isn't it? Away, yeah. like they're leaking, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I, I look at game weeks sort of ten through sixteen when the when the World Cup happens. Sixteen ends, isn't it? Before yeah, sixteen ends before the uh, the World Cup. But then they come back in game week seventeen. They've got Fulham at home. Um, I look at them as one of those teams that have quite a decent fixture swing. So yeah, I wouldn't be looking at them now, but they're players that I would be keeping an eye on for um, potential wild cards in game week eight, game week nine transfers. Um, I think they're, they're interesting. And a couple of questions about Liverpool. I'll throw these to you. Um, Triple captain Salah against Man United. That's uh, actually one one that one got thrown at me. No, no it's, not, it's uh, not the worst. Well, it's not honestly not the worst shout. It's really not, is it? Um, we bagged in fifty points against them last season. Yeah, two games. It's not the worst shout. I mean, they're gonna have. I think I heard. Um, at, I'm just listening to somewhere else, and I heard like City have got like a double problem later on in the season, which is like Bournemouth and Fulham. But yeah, someone do it. Loads of people do it out there, I think, in the uh, community, won't they? You've got to look at form, haven't you? At the end of the day, if we don't go for a back, get to a back five, and then I, I just Liverpool get an early goal in that game, that crowd turn massively, massively, and it's going to be a toxic, toxic Monday night in Manchester. And the stadium that's falling down. Um, yes. Uh, so no for me, but why not if people want to? A serious question came in. Um, from uh, David Byrne, actually, sent this one in. Um, if Salah blanks against Man United, do you think he's the premium sacrifice? And uh, I, I find it difficult because Salah's always going to do your returns across the season. But he uh, says, is, is it time to sell Salah if he blanks against United? What do you I think? think? I think I wouldn't. Bef- oh, sorry, Sky. No, you go, mate. You go. I say I wouldn't sell him before Bournemouth because I know that would be. That backfire badly, but then if he blanks against Bournemouth, I think he maybe look at KDB. I think he plays Nottingham Forest after that, so I think, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe Salah's not in form. I'll go KDB. But I would never get rid of him before Bournemouth. I think when you've got a premium player and they're not returning, it's so important that you use that eye test that we always bang on about. Because yes, it's like you could have looked at Jesus in week one. Oh, he's not scored. He's not assisted. I'm getting him out. Well, no, he was fantastic. He did everything but score assists that game. So what is Salah looking like? Is he putting is he putting chances on a plate for players? Is he getting himself into is he getting himself on the ball? Is he making things happen? If he is, absolutely keep him in because it's a matter of time before he gets a hat trick. If he's not, if he's not getting involved as much as he was, and you know, you, you know, potentially Firmino's not back, they've not got he's not got Mane to make those runs in, is he not linking up with Nunes? Absolutely, in this, you know, a bit of a slow start in Liverpool team, you could easily because you could just if you've not got KDB. Bring KDB in for him. It's a bit of a no-brainer there. But 
as we all know, Salah's been what top scorer for the last three seasons in fantasy football. Yeah, yeah there's a reason for that. Yeah, I um I agree with everything that's been said there. Where never ever am I selling him, even if he blanks against Man United before Bournemouth at home. Um, and then after then, yeah, I mean, potentially, because there's a really good variety of captaincy options. I mean, when you look at the the, the City fixtures, for an example, they've got Forest um, and then they've got Villa, Spurs and Wolves, but Wolves still you can captain against the, um, them as a team. Um, even when you're looking at Spurs, they've got Fulham at home game week six, if you wanted to captain um, in, in that game week. There, there are a variety of captaincy options. Jesus has got... Uh, Everton at home in game week seven, Brentford away in game week eight. We've got Fulham at home in game week four. There's there's a variety of encapsulation, and that, that's the thing about premiums. If you if you aren't going to captain them, then you can get those sort of points elsewhere normally. So um, never before Bournemouth, but we'll see. Um, final discussion point before we move on to, to next week. I had a, quite an interesting question, which is kind of similar to that um, in theme, but it came in with especially at the beginning of the season, I think we'll put this into context. How long, I'll put this to you, Jeff, first. How long do you give players before you feel like it's time for a change in your team? How long do you give a player? I think it really does vary. Like Salah, I'll probably have a little bit more wiggle room. I think, you know, he's looking sharp. I guess how, how they look, really. Rashford, he's on the chopping block for me. I really don't want him. Um, two weeks, that's enough. I've seen enough. I want him gone. But then, I think Salo's blunt against uh, Crystal Palace, but I thought he looked all right and he was involved. Um, so just, I think, yeah, really keep an eye on it. And it can't really set one rule, but just how they're playing and how they look and what's going on with the team as well. And if there's a problem with the team. Um, so it could go anything from one week. If I brought someone in and I thought, oh no, they've been moved back to wing back, I might take them out straight away or I could keep someone for 10 weeks. I think oh, it's gonna, they're going to get some points soon. So not sitting on the fence, but depends. No, when you say it depends on history, pedigree, um, yeah. and also if there's any issues with your own fantasy team. Um, I, yeah. You know, if you if you if they're hindering you getting a couple of other players that are in massive form, and they're not delivering, then you can move them on a bit earlier than when you maybe thought you would to be able to get. You know, for example, someone like Saka out to be able to afford a Martinelli and and, and another player that's performing at that sort of level. I was going to say Rodrigo. I mean, we've just said not to really to buy him, but, you know, for an example, if you, you wanted to do that. Scott, you, your take on your take? Yeah, on I, f- I think it's a tough one because you've you've got your, your more expensive players for me. I don't, I, I do give them the time just because, A, there's not that many other more expensive players out there. And B, if I'm going from a Salah to a Man City player, I might already, I've probably already got three Man City players. So, and then you've got to look at the pool of players. So, again, I'm not rushing out to get my cheap options either because they're my bench fodder. So, for me, it falls into that £8 million. The players that I look at probably turning over the quickest is that £8 million bracket because you've got a big pool of players that you can jump on. You're likely probably not to already have three of them in your team. So, you can start having that movement about. And they're the players which everyone's not got. So, they're the ones that if, if you're Bowen, last season, your Ben Rama last season's on form, you want to jump on them when they're hot because they're not going to hot stay hot all season like your premiums, but they will come in and out of form, so that's that's how I look at it. I completely agree. Martinelli for an example is that player at yeah. the moment in that bracket. You know, if you can get to him, get on him because he's performing well, they've got great fixtures, but Martinelli won't deliver all season. It'll probably go a little bit hot and cold. There'll be probably a little bit of rotation in the Arsenal team, etc. when they're in Europe. Um, and yeah, I agree. And, and also, it's like you say, you, you bring in a Josh De Silva this week, 
and he ends up getting benched in two weeks' time for Damsgaard and never delivers again for you. You're going to look at your team when you go to wildcard and there's just going to be a De Silva-shaped player on your bench and you're going to be like... Because you're just not going to bother with him because what he's not affecting the rest of your fantasy team if he's 4.7. Like, he's holding maybe 0.2's worth of value that you could put in Pereira, but that's about it. So... Yeah, it's an interesting question, um, and I can, I, yeah, I think uh, hopefully we've hopefully we've covered that one off um, for you to have a, a bit of an insight. So let's move uh, move on to having a look at. Uh, I had the Premier League table up there. I was looking at it earlier. Uh, to game week three, so Saturday deadline, Saturday the twentieth of August at eleven a.m. Before the early kickoff, Spurs against Wolves. Don't captain Kane or Son. That's our rule on the podcast. Do not captain the early kickoff. Um, Palace Forest, Everton, uh, Palace Forest, Palace Villa, Everton Forest, Fulham Brentford, Leicester Southampton. So some good uh, mid-table uh, uh, clashes within that, that's for sure. And then Arsenal are playing uh, Bournemouth on live on Sky on the evening there uh, at Bournemouth. I'm, I'm really, I'm interested by that um, that game actually from a Jesus perspective, it has to be said. Leeds Chelsea live on Sky at Ellen Road. Interesting one. Um you know, players like James Cucurella, whatever, and like suggest as Mason Mount, uh, West Ham, Brighton, anything can happen in that game, I think, potentially. Uh, Newcastle, Man City, Newcastle looking decent, City away, and then uh, Man United, Liverpool, Monday night football. Um, so, captaincy options this week, lads, looking at potentially Arsenal, City, and Liverpool, would you have thought? Salah or Jesus. If Man United were not even, even as half as bad as what they've been, I would be saying Jesus, but. My captaincy would be going on Mo Salah. Salah captaincy, I think I'll probably be doing the same only because it'll make it less painful when he scores many, many goals past my horrendously performing team that I support. Newcastle, uh, Man City, neither team's conceded yet. That'll be quite interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're, the, they're the only two teams in the league that haven't conceded a goal, I think, when I was looking at the table. Do you know what? Let's look at the Premier League table. Goals against. Correct. <laughs> Two teams that haven't conceded a goal yet this season. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on captaincy? Probably Salah as well. I was just, I was thinking about it earlier. I was thinking how, I can't, I can't see how Man U can play in that game. I don't know how they can get the ball forward, how they can beat Liverpool's press. I just, I just can't see it. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, they'll, they'll run rampant. We, we we don't win. We try to keep it to, to two or three. But I don't know if you can do that. Easy. I don't even know if you can contain anymore. Like, when Solskjaer was at least like Bambasang, you sat deep, but I don't, you haven't got that in you anymore. So I don't know. I just can't see how you can possibly keep them out. I don't, Football's I a what, funny game, though, mate. You might win. I know. 1 0. 1 0. Maguire last minute. Can you imagine Maguire and then he does the shush? Yeah. Oh, no. In the ears as well. <laughs> in the ears. Like. <laughs> I'd rate that so much because what an idiot. Like, he yeah. just looked like a complete idiot. Um, well, you yes. never know. Like, you, you never know if, if this you get a win. You, you, this takeover talk might be coming. If that gathers speed, you get a win. What a difference that could be to the whole club. It's just my final point on this is like the you know, obviously like the interest payments and all this sort of stuff, and just no money's been invested into the stuff that actually matters to help a culture of a club, like a culture of a business where anyone works for such a long period of time. You can throw billion a billion one point two five billion pounds at players. At quick fixes and pay them loads of money, but it, it, if you don't back your manager and all the sorts, anyway, whatever. Yeah, could be just... worse. You could be looking at National League North, mate. You could be, yeah. At least you've got some points, though, Scotty. And you're on telly. How exciting for Scunthorpe United this season. Um, so that's fun. 
so yes, um, thank you very much everyone for uh, joining me this week. Thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channels, and also follow us on our social media platforms: Unfootball Pod, Unfootball P, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you. It was lovely. Great joining you. Thank you, and um, and uh, and Scott. Thank you very much once again for uh, for showing up and making the effort, and um, you know. I also, really was, I, always, I also thought it was lovely. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. Brilliant work, Jeff, as always. Thanks, and uh, sorry to all the viewers for me getting thrown off by my United chat. I've really tried hard not to spend 20 minutes telling, telling, telling how everyone how bad it all is. So, um, yes, thank you very much for listening. Good luck. Remember the deadline, 11am, Saturday, the 20th of August. And uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you all next week. Bye for now. <laughs>